Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to another edition of Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with David Wood. And uh, we're talking about a week that's been a little hit or miss for the Cavs. Uh, last night's Bulls game, uh, which would have clinched the number one seed in the NBA, was a pretty disappointing uh, letdown. The Cavs uh, blew a pretty big lead, uh, 14 points, and then went down uh, by as many as 11 in the fourth quarter. And or as many as 13 in the fourth quarter, and ended up uh, losing the game to the Bulls. And the big uh, group that made the push for the Bulls was actually their bench unit um, of Bobby Frodo Eyes Portis. And uh, <laughs> and what was the Brazilian dude's name, uh, David? Felicio or Felicio. Felicio. <laughs> Which is a very hard name to say without making fun of. <laughs> um, so it was uh it was definitely a disheartening loss and uh so Kyrie Irving looked pretty not good that game, would you agree, David? Uh yeah, it was kind of an old Kyrie situation surfaces again where He's going to do his offense, and the rest of the guys are going to watch him do it. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. What did uh, What did you see that concerned you most of all? I guess. I mean, from the team as a whole, it's just they give up these not giant leads, but they just give up the leads so easily. And then once that happens, they're just sitting there trying to take three pointers what? to win it up, like all yeah. the heck. And they don't start playing just this really super aggressive defense I, I mean if you're gonna wait till you're down 11 with two minutes left to start really playing defense hard you're never gonna win I mean that just does not seem like a recipe for a success they seem like they get off to really good starts and then oh, David is uh is canning cherries in the background there um I don't know what he's doing, but it's loud. Sorry, I don't know what that was. Actually, <laughs> he's uh, he's brewing his own beer back there. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So they seem like they get off to really good starts, and 
Then second, third quarter, uh, they get these big lulls, whether it's the starters in the third quarter or as it was last night, the bench. The bench was really, really not good. Um, they just seem to give up these runs. But uh, Ty lu has been playing Kyrie a lot with the second unit. And the second unit, when he was running the offense, it was really, really bad. And he had three just horrific turnovers in the fourth quarter that just directly led to runouts for the Bulls. Um, and on at least two on two of those, they came off Moskov screens where he just completely refused to use the screen and dribbled back into his own guy. And it was, it was disastrous. Uh, he also went five for 17 from the floor. Uh, his defense didn't strike me as being, I guess anyone any worse than anyone else's. Um, I mean, the biggest problem the Cavs had as a team is they could not deal with uh, Felicio, who was seven of seven for sixteen points, um, and just looked like a revelation. And he kind of came from out of nowhere, literally, like just signed this last week. So, uh, but he has been playing. I always do that. He has been playing pretty well. Uh, the game before that, when he was three for four for eight points, uh, but this was definitely an you know an offensive explosion uh, for Felicio. Uh, anything that you saw from what the Bulls were doing from a scheme standpoint that you know really stood out, or was it just the Cavs weren't playing defense? I just don't think the Cavs were playing defense. I mean, the Felicio guy, like, no offense to him, but he was kind of beating the Cavs the same way every time. Yeah. It seemed like it. Well, he seemed he was pretty deft, like, pretty coordinated finishing. but Yeah. But, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, once you force a rotation with the Cavs, they just don't know how to make that second rotation. Let alone alone the third. Yeah. And especially once it – once, like, the defense isn't firing for the Cavs, it's not like they're going to – they just don't write themselves. It's either everything's going great or it's just a complete garbage fire. Yeah, and they got outscored 46-11 to 11 by uh, Chicago's bench. And Bobby Bobby Portis, while he did not – he was only 3 for 10 from the field, five big offensive rebounds. Um like I said, Felicio seven to seven. Uh, Doug McDermott had a enormous three uh, late in the game. Uh, Aaron Brooks really was plus twenty three for the game. He just killed the Cavs. And then uh, uh, Justin Holiday uh, one of six for the game, but played really really good defense throughout the game and had the uh, had the big, big block on Jr. at the end of the game. Uh, what were you saying, David? Uh, I didn't say anything. Oh, that was sorry. that was totally a foul, though. At the end, I thought. Um, well, so uh, in former NBA head of officiating, uh, Stu Jackson, uh, said he originally thought it was a foul, but that uh, after watching a couple times, uh, he quote unquote hit Jr.'s arm after hitting the ball, which meant the contact was incidental. Which I've never even heard that rule. So. Um, so you, your follow through doesn't matter then apparently. I guess I I don't know. I I, yeah. I thought it was a foul. I thought it was a terrible night for NBA officiating. I mean, 
uh, Lance Stevenson got shoved out of bounds by Steph Curry on a last second shot in the Memphis uh, Golden State game and no call. Uh, it, it, it was pretty bad. So, and then uh, the same night, uh, Kevin Durant got a big call in a uh, in the Thunder over the Lakers game, I believe. So, it it very much seems like the star system of officiating is still alive, uh, despite the calls for transparency uh, in the NBA. Uh, you know, as as Evil Genius said in an email. Uh, J.R. Smith is never getting that call at the end of the game, which is part of the reason you don't want him shooting that shot. So, and uh, so what happened earlier in that game was uh, Matthew Delavadova had a shot to win it, wide open off of off a really well. I, do you think that J.R. Smith play where the ball hit the front of the re, uh, rim and he went up and got it, and they swung it around the horn and Delhi got a shot? Uh, do you think was that intentional? I don't think I don't think that was intentional. I mean, it was a great it was a great look. I think Delhi kind of just thought. No, I, I just he, meant the uh, missing the free throw and going to get it by Jr. Oh, uh, I, and I, mean, I didn't uh, see post game to see if that was intentional or not. But it was it was really uh, well was executed. A, yeah, if I mean, it was uh, intentional, I wish it was intentional. I still don't understand why they don't just whip it off like the backboard and try to hit the rim. Oh just yeah, just get the long rebound like you do if you're being drunk well, and take I mean, basketball. If that if that was the the attempt, uh, you couldn't have done it better than Jr. did it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Delavadova had a ridiculously wide open look that he just airballed, and one of the kind of excuses I heard was that he thought there was less time on the clock than there was, and he was trying to get it. Uh, up before the clock expired, um, but it was a really bad shot, and I really thought that LeBron threw him under the bus a little bit by saying, yeah, I wish he'd have swung it over to me with as hot as I was, and looking at it, I didn't really think that LeBron was that open, um, and I also feel like if you're LeBron James, like, you don't ever say that. You said you say... Hey, that's a shot we want Delhi taken. If he's wide open, shoot it. He just missed a shot. Um, you know, I feel like that's just being a bad teammate to say, well, you should have got the ball to me. You know, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's it's LeBron, so it's kind of understandable that he's going to say that. But any, any guy, if they get that shot, should be taking it. It was completely wide open. Yeah, like, especially a guy who's shooting over 40% from three yeah. on the air. And I'm not too confident LeBron would have made the right decision. Well, well, he probably would have tried a three or something. No, and it was a terrible, terrible shot by Delhi, and he really, really struggled that game. He had one big three down the stretch that uh, that was important, uh, but he was 0 for 5 on the rest of his shots, uh, 1 for 5 on 3. Uh, he does not seem to be able to score inside the arc anymore. Again, uh, doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence in his shot. Um. I think playing with Kyrie Irving is is frustrating for him. Uh, he seemed to spend a lot of time on the floor with Irving, and uh, it seems like a lot of guys really have a hard time because basically the second unit was Kyrie Irving plus Fry, Mozgov, Jefferson, and Delhi. 
uh, without without Chumpert and without uh, uh, you know basically anyone else. And Kyrie Irving really seemed like he had a hard time chemistry wise with the second unit guys. Like he he even said after the game, you know, I kind of felt like I needed to keep my dribble alive a little more, try to do a little more, and you know, for me, it's like pass the ball and then move. You know, none of those guys you're playing with are bad passers. Uh, You know, even Mozgov is a solid passer. If you pass the ball and move, those guys are going to get the ball back to you. Um, And it just seemed like the guy you hated playing pickup ball with because he didn't trust you, so he was going to dribble around for 20 seconds and then jack up a shot. Uh, Did you kind of see the same thing? Yeah, well, Kyrie plays basketball like it's the early 2000s still. Like, you can't run a team like Allen Iverson did. And that's kind of like how he appears to play sometimes when you put non-starters with him. Mm-hmm. It's just he want, like he wants the ball the entire time, and he's going to take whatever shot he takes. And then on the defensive end, he doesn't – like, he's going to just be a non-factor. Well, and what the difference is the ability of NBA defenses to basically – play these quasi zones, these matchup zones, uh, rather than you put Kyrie on one side of the floor and four guys on the other side of the floor. You, you just can't do that anymore. And Kyrie just dribbled into double teams, dribbled into triple teams. Uh, and then, you know, teams are basically daring him to beat them with a the mid-range shot, and he's not doing it. And he, he's not finishing very well either, and he doesn't seem to be very good at getting into the body of shot blockers anymore. And also you know, gauging when a shot blocker is in a good position. So he's definitely struggling. Uh, I don't know if it's injuries, uh, whether he's still having a hard time recovering, but he just mentally, he seems very unfocused and doesn't understand, you know, he was talking about uh, needing to have packages where a plays for the guys that were on the floor. And he's like, we got to have packages of plays no matter who's on the floor. And, he he apparently lamented that he was used to Shumpert being out there with him, and it just it kind of seems like he has a lot of built-in excuses. Yeah, and I, he just I, needs to. He just doesn't have very good point guard instincts. It seems like. And I, I sort, sorry, sorry. I sort of wonder if the league's figured him out a little bit more, just how to play him and like what he's going to trick himself into doing, like how to make him sabotage himself. Yeah. Because, I can see that. Uh, you wouldn't think that Kyrie would be a guy that you could double team and he just fails at getting around it at all, but he really is at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's so bad at uh, just hitting, like getting the ball to the free throw line when the guy slips the screen and just giving him that four, the momentary four on three that the Warriors are so good at. It just, like, he hates doing that. He's like... And I almost wonder, like, do you need to put a better passer with him than Tristan Thompson? I mean, maybe that's part of why the Cavs are so effective with LeBron at the four. Um, But, yeah, he just seems really bad at that. And Cavs bench is kind of a train wreck right now. Uh, You got Richard Jefferson, who has been pretty awful the last several weeks. You've got Timo, who we all know his struggles fairly well. You gotta believe in something. 
every man on a mission. Sorry. We have Timo, who's been struggling a lot. Uh, Timo has an 0-for-1 game last night, 3-for-7 the night before, 0-for-3 against Milwaukee. Um, and the lack of rebounding has been really pronounced. Um, you know, and then you got, I'm sorry, that was Richard Jefferson, uh, really pronounced, uh, Richard Jefferson problems. And then you've got, uh, Timo, who's not, you know, just been terrible in terms of plus minus the whole season. Um, and then you got Delhi, who's super struggling in. Uh, Channing Fry just seems like a complete hit or miss player. Like he's either hitting that three or he's not giving you anything. I mean, it, I mean, I've seen some games where he's picked it up rebounding wise, but teams that can figure out how to put him in space on defense and have to guard uh, farther out seem to just own him. And and the Spurs, Spurs, I'm sorry, the Bulls are really good at that. So. Um, anything you've seen in terms of, you know, the Cavs, what, what can they do to improve their bench? Do they need to change their lineups? I know we talked about, uh, starting lineups a little bit, and there's going to be a little more on Cavs blog this week about starting lineups, but, uh, anything lineup wise you think the Cavs can do? They just, uh, they need to commit to a rotation and it's so late in the season. It's kind of, it sucks that they haven't done that yet. But it seems like the guy, no one knows when they're actually going to be coming in or coming out. And it, it's hard because Moskov is kind of garbage off the bench. And then Tristan Thompson, just having that little bit of extra energy come off the bench makes the, the whole entire bench unit like serviceable, I think. Yeah, and when he starts, it well, plus that's who Delhi really has the chemistry with. And when he starts, it yeah, it just kind of destroys his energy coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, it's like having Tristan, that second unit gets like three or four easy baskets from his offensive rebounding or just him kind of making everything messy down low. That's just such a boost. Yeah, and so who do you think should be starting? Because we've been throwing this around in the email uh, a lot. Um, You know, my take is that Mozzie's bad. But he's even worse coming off the bench, and the Cavs don't have the bodies to start anyone else at the center spot. And Kevin Love has shown that he's not—that's not a great look for them. Um, so, I, my opinion, you kind of have to live with Mozgov. But I would maybe uh, try Channing Fry next to Love, and then just pull uh, pull Love early and let him get more run with the second unit. Because Fry, Fry plays, he seems like he's a smaller center, but he does okay covering guys. Yeah. Just ha- having five guys that can shoot threes on the starting unit is pretty hard yeah, but to cover. That, I mean, Fry and Love and Kyrie on the starting unit, just uh, one of the things that uh, I think I heard the projected starting unit of Delhi Shumpert, uh, Love LeBron and uh, Channing Fry would would actually help the Cavs offensively on the first unit, and then defensively, or I'm sorry, defensively on the first unit, and offensively on the second unit, uh, just bringing, uh, or rather, starting Shumpert instead of Jr. So bringing Jr. and Kevin Love off the bench. 
um, would be an option, but I, I, I don't love that option either. But maybe if you do that, Ken Love beats up on bench guys, and you can kind of have Tristan Thompson be that first guy out, still playing the power forward, and then he can come back in on center on the second unit. Um, it, I, I don't know what to do with that team. Do you think Mozgov should be playing at all? Uh, I think Mozgov is kind of like your really, really poor heat check center. Like if, mm-hmm. if he's getting rebounds and not turning the ball over like crazy, you let him play. But if in the first two minutes of him being on the floor, he's fumbled a bunch of rebounds and just yeah, it seems guys, really, like just really gotta, early. You know whether he's got it or not in a game. Yeah, it. I think like it stinks because last year I thought Moskov was really good at just running. Well, the he floor. was. Yeah, yeah, he ran the floor so much better than he has this whole entire season. So it's kind of sad to see that go because he was very effective running the break with LeBron. Yeah, any, yeah, and the, like anyone on the team, he just got down the floor before everyone else, which he's not right. doing anymore. No, and he, no, and he definitely, uh, you can tell that he is not physically the same as he was last year, especially just, like you said, just run on the floor. Um, but I still feel like they need him, but a lot of people don't feel that way. I feel like Tristan is not nearly as good when he comes off the bench or when he, he starts. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's a tough, uh, tough situation. I mean, I have the um, just kind of the net rating lineup thing pulled up right now mm-hmm. with just uh, groups that played over like 25 minutes. Moskov isn't in until like the 12th, like the 12th best group. And the net yeah. rating's 3.6. But surprisingly, the Delhi, Channing Fry, LeBron, Shumpert, and Tristan units, the third best unit. Yeah, no, and it's not a, a bad unit. Uh, what was it? Yeah. I think uh, Dave Zavak had uh, Timo, and I think it was uh, RPM, like 77 of 76 centers. In the <laughs> like, oh, that's brutal this season. So. I, I don't know what to do about Timo. I feel like if the Cavs need to keep playing him because if they want to be successful, uh, he has to be better. And hopefully there's a lot of guys in the NBA and especially in the history of the NBA um, who can, who are completely different players in the playoffs. And hopefully uh, Timo can do that. And then I'm going to actually uh, pause this podcast for one second. So uh, welcome back. Uh, we got uh, Tom Pestak uh, just uh, joined us. So uh, Tom, what are your, what are your thoughts on Moskov a little bit? Uh, should he be playing? Should he be getting minutes? Should he be starting? Well, I thought it was weird that they pulled him from the starting lineup after um, sticking with him for so long. Uh, just seems a little bit late in the season to do something like that. And I think that Thompson, you know, Tristan's better off the bench anyway. So it's kind of like uh six one way, uh, half a dozen the other. Um, so I, I would just, uh, at this point, you know, go with him starting like you have been. And then if he doesn't have it that night, you just don't bring him back in. Yeah. And that's kind of what we talked about a little bit. Like David called it the, the, the heat check lineup. If he's got it, Great. Uh, there was a guy, Jim McElvain. Do you remember Jim McElvain? 
uh, played for the Warrior or played for the Bullets and the Sonics, and he was like a token starter on some of those George Carl uh, Sonics teams. And okay. he was kind of the exact same way. Like he would be a starter, but there'd be games he wouldn't play more than six minutes. Well, the Spurs of... used to do that with uh, what was that guy's name? Um, the big, tall French guy they had way back. Prince was uh, Oberto. Was that his name, Prince? Yeah, Francisco Oberto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they would start him, and you know, depending on the game, he might not really get much burn after that, but. I mean, the alternative is you start with Fry. It's a different look. Um, yeah. and, you know, you'll be more spread out. And then you just sort of cut Mozgov out uh, yeah. of the rotation entirely. But I just think that um, I think Tristan plays best with Delhi anyway. So I kind of like him coming in when Delhi comes yeah. in. And, I think uh, not having Delhi really hurt, or no, we talk, not having Delhi really hurt, or not having Tristan really hurt Delhi last night. Uh, yeah, because they weren't playing together on the floor as much because Tristan was starting. Yeah, Delhi, I feel like has been in a bit of a shooting slump. I don't think lately. it's just shooting. It's defense. It's he. He definitely seems to be having a confidence problem. I wouldn't be surprised if he's nursing an injury. Yeah, yeah, he's been a little down lately. That that said, I still like when um, he runs the high pick and roll and initiates the offense. I, I still feel like the Cavs do good things when he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except the problem with no uh, Tristan Thompson with him is there's no roller because Channing Fry doesn't roll. Uh, the only guys that are rollers on the team are Mozgov, LeBron James, and Thompson. And Mozgov just doesn't seem to have great chemistry with Kyrie. Or with, he's uh, he's even. I've noticed another move that they've had lately with the Delhi high screen, where he probes, and you know he likes to. Delhi likes to drive right. He's he's right hand dominant. He doesn't really prefer. He, ha- to go he to doesn't his left. have a left at all. Well, I I wouldn't say that, but he prefers when he drives into the teeth. He prefers to do that with the right hand dribble. I've noticed this new action, and I'm sorry, I sound horrible, all nasally, but. Uh, where he kind of probes, does a little hesitation, and and some cavalier, whether it's like LeBron or J.R. Smith or someone, kind of cuts right into the middle of the paint, and and that guy usually draws the split second attention of whoever is guarding another big shooter, whether it's like Kevin Love's man or Channing Frye's man on the on the perimeter, and Delhi will look and sort of like fake like he's gonna throw to the cutter but what he really wants to do is fire a pass kind of like back um across to the other to the opposite wing and and it usually the shot's wide open it's just it's a nice little move to get the defense to just kind of collapse for that split second and then it opens up that shot i don't know if i described it well but i saw it i saw it at least once in the chicago game and i thought i I really like that play like that's another that's another wrinkle, right? The, yeah. I mean, now you've got your primary, which is the there's the dive man to the hoop, and if the defenses stop that, you've got the you've got the cutter coming from the opposite side, and if they collapse on that, then usually there's at least one shooter spotted yeah. up on the perimeter, and Delhi is looking for that third option every now and then. So I, I, I like the I one like, thing I wish Delhi would do is he needs to go for a layup every now and again to keep the defense on him. Like he, uh, it wasn't the Bulls game; it was the game before. Um, 
I can't remember what game that was. But uh, Delhi avoided a wide-open layup and just, like, there was nobody within. Oh, the, I think it was the Bucks game. And there was nobody even guarding the rim, and he just didn't didn't take the shot, gave the ball to LeBron. And they scored, but it was like, you really have to keep the defense honest. So, David, um, you had talked about a little bit, uh, and I can't remember if it was before the pod or now, um, Ty Lue's rotations, uh, and Tom touched on this a little bit about how they changed at the last minute. Are they, are they driving you nuts, David? Well, yeah, you have no idea what's going on. Like, it, he just does it too haphazardly, kind of. Because he'll pull, uh, it seems like Irving will get pulled a little earlier than Love and LeBron. And then Irving will go back out with the second unit. But then if things are going bad, LeBron gets put in right away. If they're going okay, like Love might come in. It just it, it changes every single game. And it doesn't feel like Lou has a system for it at all. And, and then the players don't know what's going on or don't know what to expect. Well, there's no way for them to build like chemistry with each other, I guess. Well, right. And, you know, everybody who I respect that's ever written about the NBA has said at a certain point you have to have a regular rotation or guys just start getting pissed off because they don't know their role and they don't know how to prepare mentally for when they're going to come into the game. So... Um, so what should be the Cavs rotation in the playoffs? I mean, we've got a starting unit. Uh, we talked a little bit about starting units. Um, my, my ideal starting unit is, uh, the one they run out now, uh, possibly exchange Shump for JR, but I really think that JR plays so well with Kevin Love and LeBron that it's hard to take him out of that. Um, so, you know, possibly stay with that, and then the first substitution, Kyrie goes to the bench, Delhi comes in, uh, do you, and probably Kristen comes in, and then kind of the second substitution is you get uh, Delhi and Shumpert and maybe Kyrie back in, and then you've got uh, Channing Fry and, and Tristan Thompson still on the floor. I mean, that, that seems like a sane kind of rotation style, but it seems to change every game. Uh, Tom? Or, sorry, David? Um, I kind of think they need to keep, like, I would experiment with bringing Love in to be on that second unit just because he can facil- like facilitate a little bit better with uh, without anyone else on the floor. And I feel like Kyrie actually does better when LeBron's on the floor because there's kind of this whole, like, big dog, like, watching over him like you're not going to dribble away the clock every time. Like you're going to have to share the ball. Yeah, and it keeps it, that. it keeps it a little more like unpredictable. Yeah. Tom? No, Tom. Um, no, sorry. I was just on mute because I'm <clears throat> out here blowing my nose. <laughs> um, what was the question? You know, the Cavs, the Cavs, Tom, Tom is on NyQuil, everyone. So I, 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 I actually am. I took NyQuil right before you, you messaged me. <laughs> I, moused, I roused him from his semi-slumber, so uh, yeah. I apologize for uh, Tom's lack of lucidity. Um, no, I was just talking about the Cavs rotation. Is there a sane rotation that you think the Cavs could establish? And... I don't know. I don't know. It's It's hard because... It's sort of like Kyrie's playing so poorly right now. I don't really know what to say about it. Like, I mean, conventional wisdom says that he's a 
you know, budding star point guard, and he's one of the, your best players, and he's part of the big three, and you should find him minutes. But I just don't have any confidence in the in the offensive chemistry between Kyrie and LeBron. And, I mean, defensively, he just – I don't know what else to say, except he just hasn't improved basically since his rookie year. He's still flypaper Kyrie. Um you know, I, I listened to Hey Windy, and Windhorst sort of alluded to the fact that maybe Kyrie uh, tries to avoid contact as much as possible because he's kind of a fragile player. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot, and I think that's – we talked about he's not getting into the body of shot blockers anymore, um, and that's part of why he's getting his shot blocked a lot. Yeah, well, I just I'm, I just think he is one of the worst pick-and-roll players in the league on both sides of the ball. I think defensively – he doesn't fight through screens. He doesn't anticipate screens. Um, he doesn't usually make the right decision anyway. And and this is something we've been saying for oh for years, three years. You know, yeah. But now, but now it's so eye opening to me how he's so weak offensively with pick yeah. and roll. Like I, I mean, here's a story. So I played pickup basketball for the first time in probably a year. Last Friday, not like two days ago, but a week before that. So I'm out of shape, right? Um, I just had hoped to make a few shots and just sort of do do the dirty work, box out, play some D, set some screens for some guys that looked like they knew how to handle the ball or whatever. And so that's what I set out to do. And um, it's a full court game. And I was on this team with this guy. I may never met him before or anything like that. And... Uh, he, I would, I would, uh, I'd come up and set a good screen for him and he would never take it ever, you know? And it was just like, okay, dude. Like, <laughs> so I stopped setting screens for him because it's like, why, why am I trying to sneak around, try to show up someone's blind side and set a nice pick for this guy so he can, he gives an easy lane to the basket. You're, and he you're just, trying to give him a Brandon Rush, huh? Yeah, he just, he just, he would never use it no matter what I did. So I just stopped doing it. So then I was like, well, okay, this guy's kind of hogging the ball and he doesn't want me to set a pick for him. I guess I'll just, um, you know, start down low and kind of like when I see him looking to drive, I'll get the heck out of the way to maybe get my defender out of the way. And if my defender stays, I'll just flare to the, to the wings. And I did that and they'd collapse on him and I'd be wide open. And he wouldn't pass it to me, you know? So it's kind of like, after a while, that's demoralizing for a role player. It's not It's not as much an attitude thing. It's not like you get selfish and you're like, well, screw this. It's more like, and, and I realize this firsthand because I'm so out of shape, is <laughs> basketball, You get, I mean, you don't have unlimited energy, right? Every single play can't be like a, a Russell Westbrook dunk from the foul line. Like, you have to pick your spots a little bit. There's really no player in the NBA that goes full speed all the time. It's just like that in football. Like if a guy breaks away and runs like 100 yards, it doesn't matter who he is. He needs a rest. Like he needs to take a breather. You right. can't just like sprint. I mean, no one, no human can just sprint for like two hours straight and go full speed. You just can't do it. So in other words, if you got your teammates like running up to set a pick, you know, anticipating contact, getting their body ready for that force, that takes a lot of energy. And then if right. your point guard's not even going to use it, it's sort of like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I? 
why am I wasting my energy trying to help you when you're not even going to do it? It's pointless. Well, and, and the even crazier thing is is you are very much like the Cavs role players. If that guy passes you the ball or uses your screen and he's open, you're the role player. You're going to get that guy the ball back. Yeah. It's not like Kyrie's not going to get the ball back with those guys on the floor, especially Delhi. Um, you know, if, if Kyrie runs a, a give and go, Delhi's going to give him the ball back eight times out of ten. You know, so I had this. It's I had not this like thought. they're gonna freeze him out. I had this thought today, um, this morning while I was taking a shower, clearing all the phlegm out of my throat. And I mean, I of course a lot of times I think back to your woodshop piece, David, because that was just so that like put into you, you used video and analysis to sort of like encapsulate everything I've been thinking about Kyrie for for a while now offensively. And I just I just had this thought like. Do you think any coach of the Cavs has ever, you know, sat Kyrie down, made him watch some film, and just been like, bro, this is awful. Like, what are you doing? This is not how you play basketball. You don't you don't cut back after a guy sets a pick for you and basically run into your own man, you know? Like, his spacing is so horrible. Um uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious. Like I've never even really seen him try it. Do you do you think he is defiant or do you think he is incapable of, of just this concept of like proper spacing on a pick and roll? Or is it is it possible it's just like ignorance? Like no no coach or analyst or anything has ever just been like, hey, we know you're a superstar and all that and your commercials and stuff like that, but this is a really sort of simple part of the game that you suck at, and you you probably need to improve a little bit here. I, I don't know. I'm just it, it's so bad, and it's been going on for so long, and it's not like a it's not like an athleticism thing. It's not like a well, Kyrie's just not the fastest guy. It's like it has nothing to do with that. It's just like it's like the strategy of basketball. I don't know how to how to describe it. It just seems like the kind of thing. There's no way if you can dribble the ball. You should not be able to accept the screen and then kind of use it properly. I don't know what I mean, David. What what do you think? Do you think is it is it possible? You know, he's gone through all these coaches and no one has ever just been like, "Dude, you're doing it wrong," or, or what? But he played I mean, for Coach K. Sorry, David. Go ahead. It, it, I, at some point, he's got to just be willfully ignorant because. I, I never really thought of this, about this until you brought it up, but his he's so terrible on pick-and-roll defense, and I wonder if that's just because he doesn't understand the concepts of a pick-and-roll. Because, like, when he gets smashed into screens, maybe he's thinking, like, well, if I were running this play, I'd zoom back across, like, the screen, and then he's positioning himself to where he would have to go or something. I don't know. But he he's definitely willfully ignorant about it. There's no way you make it this far in your basketball yeah. career without being well, told. So let me give you a little bit of an analogy because I've, I've coached uh, sixth grade girls before. <laughs> so <laughs> there are times where you have a player that's really good but likes to do the same thing all the time. And you practice and practice and practice to change a habit. And you're going along, you're going well in the game, and – you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and then the game gets tight. 
and then you the defense starts ratcheting up and the pressure gets higher and then all of a sudden that player reverts back to just their first instinct you know dribble to the right corner or you know just dribble 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 till you can get a drive to the basket uh no matter you know what the defense is doing um or you know i saw this a lot last year uh don't play defense with your left hand. Only play defense with your right hand, which when you're playing right-handed players, you'll get beat every time. Um, and that's, to me, what Kyrie seems like. Like, early in games, he seems like he could be purposeful, uh, know what he's doing, but he seems to have no awareness uh, later in the game of, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and this is what I'm actually doing. Like, he just seems to revert to those habits every time. Or, you know, I would say at least four out, two out of every three games. Like, he'll have the one game where he doesn't, but, I mean, it just seems like... And, and one of those games, he gets away with it. And then another of those games, it's just an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, that we, Like we saw against Atlanta and let, we saw last night. Um, and, and that's what I, I feel like Kyrie just reverts back to bad habits and has no sense of mindfulness, you know, in the moment of being in the moment of what he's supposed to be doing and well, looking, he, looking at himself <clears throat> from the outside a little bit. Here's the other thing. Why do the Cavs continue to set screens for him? I mean, like Tristan runs up there with a purpose. Like I practiced this a hundred times. I'm going to set a screen. Why? And, I mean, oh. at this point, all you're doing is drawing another defender. Oh, Mozgov yeah. the other day. I mean, Mozgov said this just menacing screen on Kyrie's right, and Kyrie just dribbled back the other way. Like, Kyrie had a layup if he used that that Mozgov screen, he just couldn't go around it. Like, he just... I. The other thing that happens is you get these players that cannot dribble without crossing over. Like, have you ever played with somebody that in pickup? <laughs> like, all you gotta do is sit on one side of the ball because you know that they're always going to cross back over to the other side. So you can actually guard them at like a 45-degree angle uh, and take away their strong hand because you know the ball will always come back because they cannot dribble without crossing over. And I feel like Kyrie cannot dribble without crossing over. Uh, he just doesn't. Even when he dribbles one-handed, it's almost like a crossover. So yeah, that's a little bit of what I see with Kyrie. Too. But I just don't know why the Cavs insist on bringing another defender towards him because right. – it just doesn't seem like they. I almost feel like it'd be better to just let him go. Well, yeah, we talked ISO. about this a lot. ISO on the wing is a much better play for Kyrie than a pick and roll yeah. on the wing. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope he gets right. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it 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 feels. I don't know. Kyrie's such a weird player. Like it feels like if he drops like fifty tomorrow, all the Kyrie kind of apologists will be like, "Well, of course he did." And if he goes like four of 20 and you know just sucks i mean all that you mean all the people that understand averages but not standard deviations well it's just i i've always been blown away i mean i don't have an issue like personally with Kyrie irving i i don't one way or the other i mean whatever when he is on he's one of my favorite players to watch he is so explosive i mean my freaking like steam um name is uncle drew and it's been that way for like five years i haven't changed it so it's not like i dislike the guy um and like i said he's one of the most fun to watch players i've ever seen in my life but 
I just don't understand. It's like he came into the league, he was the number one pick, and he hardly played any games. And then, uh, you know, he starts getting all these accolades despite not really ever winning, just sort of being flashy. And it gets to the point where I think ESPN ranks him, like, in the top ten. And I'm thinking, like, hey, I love this guy, but, like, what? Like, where are you getting this from? I mean, yeah, he's talented, but, like... The top ten? Wow, really? And, That's and crazy. Any advanced stats that you looked at in his first two or three? Well, years, defensively, he was, he was just not a top wreck. ten player. Yeah. Oh no, not even close. And defensively, he was a train wreck. You know. Well, yeah. now, now it feels like he's regressed, and maybe it's part of the injury. I don't know, but it feels like he's having a a really down year. He and is. I mean, I don't know. Six months ago, if you would have said. Hey, you know, I would trade Kyrie for like Kyle Lowry. You get laughed at. And I'm just wondering, like, how long does he have to show no improvement on pick and rolls, offense or defense, and no, like, improved chemistry for LeBron before people will actually sort of, you know, wonder, like, hey, is this really the best guy going forward? Oh, I think I think that's happening now. And I, I said it at the trade deadline. I was like, the Cavs could regret not trading Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving this trade deadline because they could be worse, you know, next year. They may have less value. So well, I remember when his trade is, um, you know, when he was struggling uh, the uh, the season of huh, when the Cavs yeah. were, it was like they could not figure out how to win despite all this added talent and higher expectations. But yet everyone sort of just assumed that, well, Kyrie's going to get a max deal. Right. Well, and, we even talked about for a few minutes Deion Waiters being a better player. Yeah, which seems silly now, but at the time, at least it seemed like he was a little bit more purposeful with this offense, and he and he tried a little harder in defense. But the point, my point is that it, for so many people, it was just a foregone conclusion that Kyrie was a max player. It was like we're not even going to talk about this because it's so it's so outrageously obvious. It's not even worth talking about. And I was just like, really? It's not even worth talking about. Like we can't even have a discussion about this. No, we can't. He's Kyrie. Stop being an idiot. He's a max player. End of story. Shut up. He's in like, commercials, right. Tom. Right. And so now, I mean, we have these discussions like, wow, you know, actually, if you look at the lineups, it would really make sense to have Kyrie coming off the bench because he's the only calf that has a plus minus in the positives when LeBron is sitting and he likes to freestyle and let him be the primary offensive high usage guy for the second unit. But it's just like, are you crazy? He's a max player. Are you crazy? He's well, kind yeah, of, and it's, and you would never have him come off the bench. Like, it's just really, we can't even talk about. It. So yeah, I just so feel silly. like the NBA is so rife with just, I don't know, just obnoxious. The, or, the orthodoxy of yeah. starting. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. Um, so, I just feel like we don't really have honest conversations about Kyrie Irving. Is my thing. Since like the day we drafted him, I don't want to be labeled like a Kyrie hater because I really don't hate him. I really like him when he's playing well. I just feel like no one. I mean, let's put it this way: none of the fans want to have an honest conversation. If I don't think Kyrie wants to have an honest conversation with himself. Well, okay. I think I'm that's an enormous fans, problem with Kyrie. Fans don't want to even have a conversation about it because he's just a superstar. Just shut up about it. Yeah. I'm just questioning, has that like mentality happened at higher levels? Like, Has it happened in, around the coaching staff, around management? Like, Is management the same way? Like, 
hey, it's Kyrie Irving. Just it is what it is. Like oh, I, I just I feel like he has been given so much and he has earned so little. And now that he's struggling like a lot, um, I, it's just like how long does he have to continue to be the golden boy with which no one kind of puts his feet to the flame? I mean, like, dude, just wait for the guy to set the pick and then use it. And if nothing comes of it, nothing comes of it. You know, back yeah. off track again. Like, you know, be purposeful. Let the rest of the guys on your team develop chemistry, develop where they should go in space. Like, it's just – no one knows what the heck to well, do. Yeah, and the other thing that happens with that is because guys don't know what to do, they stand around, and nobody, like, cuts through the middle of the defense to draw defenders out. Well, why would you, Nate? It's just like oh, what no, I said. I, I know, I know. After the, thir- so, after the third time setting a pick for okay, that Okay, NyQuil, man. He doesn't calm down. Like, I'm done setting picks for you, bro. I mean, it's a waste of my energy. So I'll, I'll save my energy taking elbows from guys a foot taller than me at the other end. So here's wow. the question. Is Will Kyrie ever get it? Will he ever just use the GD screen? You know, <laughs> he, uh, David. Uh, I think he's gonna have to because his this like Kyrie free pass stuff is gonna wear out the probably like after the season because I think he kind of gets this free pass because he was the Cavalier that was like a home a homegrown that might not be the right word but like everyone no, he was he, he was the first draft pick after. The first great player after LeBron came, yeah, or the first and good I, player. I think he get he's been getting a pass because of that. Like Kyrie, Kyrie's a max player because he's in Cleveland. I think that had a lot to do with it. Well, I think his first four years he showed enough offensive promise. Uh, I mean, if Ennis Cantor can get a max contract, Kyrie Irving certainly can get a max. Yeah, my point with that wasn't that he's not a that he doesn't deserve right. whatever the max contract is. It's like fine, yeah. I mean. My point is the the mentality among the fan base was if you even bring this up as a like something to argue about, you're so stupid. Just uninstall the game, delete your account. Um, you have very bad sports opinions. Just like EM, yeah, just like EMP your life, and just never, you know, that's what it was like. And it's like, really? I mean, we can't even have a conversation about this. No. Like the guy is. Freaking might be one of the worst defensive players in the entire league. And offensively, he showed absolutely no chemistry with any other players, including Tristan Thompson, who he played with for years. It's like, hey, those two guys still don't have chemistry together offensively. How is this possible? So, can he turn it on? Can he figure it out? No. He's going. He's going to have to. Well, my my thought is he doesn't have to. He got a $75 million deal. (laughs) He doesn't ever have to figure it out or work again. The question will be, does he want to win or does he want to be in a lot of commercials and and make uh, a lot of money? He's already made a lot of money. Um, You know, he could go to another team and be a good scorer on a bad team and be in a lot of commercials. I, I don't think Kyrie – my opinion is that Kyrie's not going to figure it out for this team. And for this team to reach its maximum potential with LeBron James as its star, uh, even more than Kevin Love, Kyrie is – unless we see something in this year's playoffs, uh, a, flip be, a flip being switched, or a, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> unless we see something in this year's playoffs, Kyrie's got to go because I don't think he can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's like not even – at this point, yeah, if you would have said that four months ago, I'd have been like, relax, Nate. But at this point, it's like, 
No, when I does, just... When does, a, when does a trend happen? I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, he's in a shooting slump. I, I, I'm not even talking about that. The dude he's been in has shown, yeah, he's, he's shown, mistakes, he's shown an inability in five years to anticipate anything pick and roll as a defender. Like there's been, I've seen no, I've literally seen no improvement in that. I know every now and then he like yeah. blocks a guy from behind or he jumps a passing well, lane. Can we all go? No oh, remember that one block he had on Steph Curry? Like he's yeah. an awesome defensive player. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah, I do remember that one block. It was just like back when I was critical of Deion Waiters and it was like, Waiters could drop 30 any day of the week. It's like, yeah, but it's only dropped 30 once in his whole career. So you can say that, but how often does that really happen? But, Tom, so, it was a day that ended in Y, so it can't happen. <laughs> I mean, so, like, so, Tom, let me let me uh, rein you in there a little bit. So, Yeah, I mean, this, this podcast is getting long in the tooth. <laughs> I, I think Tom may be a little uh, loopy on NyQuil, everyone. <laughs> But I mean, Kyrie. I just he's he's signed a five year deal. He doesn't have to have to get any better. Um, personally, you know, for him, I mean, he's set for life now. And and one of my thoughts on Kyrie and he because he cannot string the, he does not seem like a guy who can string three good games together anymore. You know what I mean? Like he'll have a a really good game and then he'll play a stinker and then. I mean, I can't find a spot in. I'm just glancing through his box scores. I can't find one spot. So you have to go. At the beginning of March, he was playing really solidly. I uh, had like a nice five game stretch. Um, and then, you know, that's the only spot of the season that I can find where he's really strung together. You know, he had the beginning of February. He just seems like he just goes through these big lulls where he can't string more than more than one or two good games together. And so I, I don't I don't I don't know what it means. But one of the things that I look at when I look at the way he plays his games and look at the way that he seems completely unprepared. And I I'm not throwing any rumors i don't have any information but he seems like a guy with a lot of off-the-court distractions that are taking his focus away from basketball yeah and and that is just a guess but well you know who's all plugged into that kind of crap is uh elijah eli yeah yeah. and so like he's always chatting with me on g chat or whatever and so this whole thing happened where some i don't know some r&b artist or actress or something his ex-girlfriend yeah, but it was someone that was like famous or whatever. Yeah, she's an R and B singer. Right, and so and then it was like, um, you know, I I mean, I saw it on Twitter because then I saw like, pray for so and so or like I support so and so, and I'm like, hey, that looks like the same name I saw about Kyrie. And then I looked at the topic, and it's like, the girl was like in the hospital for trying to commit suicide or something. And so then I I read into the story a little bit, like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, and I normally. I normally ignore all that stuff, and it's like, okay, so so Kyrie's dating some girl that's, like, famous, and then she, you know, cheats on him with some, like, rapper who, like, posts about it on Instagram or Twitter or something. Well, then it comes out that's later. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Then it comes so that, out later that they weren't dating anymore, but it's like. Well, whatever. So I talk to Eli, and I'm like, man, like, that's rough. Like, 
didn't they just have a kid together? And Eli's like, oh, that was like four girlfriends ago. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, in fact, he said something like Kyrie wasn't even dating his baby's mama when the baby was born. He was like moved on. And I was just, oh yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know any of that. That's, that's bullshit, man. I mean, I'm sorry. Like man up, you know, I, I hate the culture. I know they're all, you know, quadrillionaires. So they, you know, they can do whatever the heck they want and they don't have to, but I, it, to me, you're right. I mean, all that is like, that's a lot of drama to think about. Yeah. It's like, guess what? Guess who has absolutely no drama in their life, Nate? You and me. <laughs> you well, know why? You know who also seems like he has no drama in his life? He's 24. Like, Well, I, I get that, but... LeBron? No, uh, Steph Curry. Yeah. I mean, outside of the basketball court, he seems like he has no drama in his life. I would even say LeBron. I feel like his drama yeah, is stuff he like creates himself. I've never heard anything going on with him. You know, and, Oh, he's and, had drama. I mean, early on in his Cavs career, for sure. So, I don't know. but yeah, I, I don't want to speculate. But yeah, no, he definitely Kyrie... seems like he has got a lot going on off the court that is distracting him from basketball. So, I'm really and, not. I'm really and not. That has been a criticism of more than one Cavalier this year. We heard that Cav- criticism of Iman Shumpert. We heard yeah, that criticism yeah. of Kevin Love. We talked about the number of brands yeah. in the locker room, and it just like. Well, now Delhi's got that local coffee deal. I mean, yeah, that what? local coffee deal is probably making him literally three figures. Yeah, yeah, thinking of give him a big head. Yeah, so I, I just, and you don't see the Warriors or the Spurs, you know, in the news outside of basketball that often. It seems like it seems like their first focus is basketball, and everything else is second. I mean, Kyrie or, or Steph Curry can make. 20 commercials a week if you wanted to and they're always on tv so but i just sort of feel like everything has all the every step of the way the cart has been put before the horse with Kyrie. yeah why don't you win a championship or learn how to use a pick and roll before you decide to date like r&b singers why don't you just date the girl next door type (laughs) that's not going to steal your stuff and isn't going to wind up on instagram with some (laughs) rapper whose name is party next door or party over here or something that's his name that's a late name why do rock stars date supermodels tom because they're they can (laughs) that's why (laughs) because they can you know you're gonna go tell a 24 year old guy not to go date the most attractive women in the world i didn't i don't think that i didn't think that girl was attractive at all but have you seen the woman that Kyrie had the former Miss Texas that he had a child with is no, but I did see the girl that Tristan was hanging out with on over All Star Weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> we may have to cut off Tom's mic. <laughs> the Nyquil has kicked in. Everybody. Not to channel my inner nomad, but whoa. <laughs> okay, so um, but no, that's a great point, Nate. Because they can. Well. Why not just date a really hot girl that's not a movie star? Well, I mean, why do you, you got to date someone else that is going to be competing with you for attention? I, I, I don't get... am not going to comment on. Okay, fine, know, David. I'll ask you. Nate, Nate's too old for this conversation. I'm not too if, old. I'm too prudent. Like, come if on. you were, if you were, you know, rich and famous, if you were Tony Stark or whatever, <laughs> why, why would you? Why would you want to invest energy in another person? 
that is is just as interested in being like out there and in front of the public eye as you? Wouldn't it be more complimentary if you dated someone that was more about you? Or does that not no. make any sense? It's got to be jealousy. Cause like, I, I think it. You should just date the person that you you fall for and go from there. I, I, I agree. Well, aren't, I, I'm aren't you romantic. I'm I am. I am romantic. <laughs> that all these like pro athletes and movie stars end up with other movie stars and actresses. Like I just sort of feel like they don't it's more, all end up that way. I just think it's more like a status symbol. Like, hey, look who's on my. It's a lifestyle thing because they well, both probably have crazy a, schedules and stuff like that. It's also a synergistic brand enhancement. <laughs> it is. So many of these, like, have you ever watched Entourage? Like, when their agents are talking about how they're they're going to start dating, like that was a total Entourage thing. It's like, oh, we, I, I don't know how like, we feel they're about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just honestly, I mean, I feel like if. You know, I could go back in time 20 years and perfect my golf swing and become the next, you know, Tiger Woods or whatever. I mean, yeah, not, I, obviously, if you're rich and famous and good looking and everything, all these new, you know, the sea the gets a lot bigger for you. But I just I don't see why if you were that big, you, you would want to date someone that's going to cause you drama. I just I don't understand. I mean, there's plenty of ridiculously like model actress looking women out there that are also really smart and they're just they're not famous they're just like normal people like and you could you could meet you know i can't you know the three of us probably aren't good enough to meet a girl like that but like if you're kyrie irving or tiger woods or whatever you could i I just well i'm just saying you know (laughs) it's like i i don't i don't i never understand that like why would you want to invite that potential that potential drama, but I guess I don't know what it's like to be worth a hundred million dollars. And you don't know what it's like to have a self-destructive personality, which many people do, you know? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So, uh, so I think we've commented enough about Kyrie's dating life. Yeah. Um, so kind of, uh, one of the other things that we want to talk about a little bit, uh, getting back to basketball, I know that's that's hard to fathom at this point. So, the Cavs, um, a they have to win one of their next two games against the Hawks or the Pistons. Uh, Hawks are tomorrow night uh, in Atlanta, I believe. Uh, what uh, do you think they clinch the first round, David, or the uh, uh, number one seed? Sorry. No, I, you don't I think, think you think Toronto's going to catch them? I think it's going to come down to this last game. The Cavs are going to – I kind of think they're going to crap the bed. Really? They just haven't – You think they're going to pull a speed? Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know golfers that well, but – You didn't watch I, today? You guys didn't see what happened? Yeah, he choked. He, he had choked. a, what, a quadruple bogey? Yeah. I felt yeah. so bad for that guy. I like him a lot, man. That sucked. No, I, I kind of think the Cavs are going to crap it. The the Hawks are better. I like the Hawks. They're smart, crafty team. The the problem is, is the Cavs kill the Hawks. The Hawks are such a terrible match. Horizon is the number one. They better win one because you see who Toronto's got left. Oh yeah, Toronto's got the Nets and the Seventy Sixers and the Nets. No, well yeah, and they beat the Knicks tonight. But no, I think 
But I think what happens is Tyron Nick's net 76. Not exactly murderers, bro. No, Tyron Lue is going to say, okay, we're not resting anyone tomorrow. Uh, We're just going to come out and we're going to play, you know, nuts out against the the Hawk, the Hawks, and we're just going to put them away, put this thing to bed, and we'll rest everybody the last game. You know, Jordan McRae and Sasha Cowan will start on the last game. So, I want to... Sorry, go ahead. So, and, and I also feel like the other thing that... Well, they should have just put the Bulls away, you know? Well, they should have just put the Bulls away, but I I don't also understand why you don't just play Shumpert, you know, unless he's legit hurt. Maybe he was. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know why you're resting guys when one game clinches it and then you can just rest everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I feel like... And one, that's one of my issues with Ty Lue is he – to me, I would much rather nobody play than you do these half measures and you lose anyone anyway. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd rather them start sit all five starters than, you know, rest them one at a time and still be losing games. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> especially on these back-end-to-back-to-backs, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So um, – Connection issues. Oh, you or me or who? I know you're cutting in and out, but if you're recording, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I don't know why I'm cutting in and out. Um, so the uh, the other issue being, uh, so who would you rather see in the first round, uh, the Pacers or the Pistons? I would rather play the Pistons. Uh, me too, absolutely. What I think the Pacers doing? are a better, much better defensive team. And, uh, you know, I, I said the opposite the other day. Mark Neal asked me that question. And I actually said I thought uh, the Cavs would match up pretty well against the Pacers or the Bulls. But um, I don't know. Detroit just, just can't seem to get the most out of their talent. And, uh, I mean, if Paul George had a crazy good series... They got some. They got some good defensive players around him. So, I would be. Uh, I'd be a little bit leery of a a uh, Indiana playoff team more than a uh, Detroit playoff team. See, I think they can sweep Detroit. I don't think they can sweep Indiana. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think Indiana is too tough of a place to play. I think Paul George can just go off for one or two games. The Pacers seem to play them very tough. Uh, they're a much smarter team. I don't think I, – I think they're better coached in that they've had the same coach and been in the same system for a long time. Um, and, I, yeah, like you said. Uh, that being said, I don't know what the Cavs do with Andre Drummond, but, you know, there's always Hackadre. So – and, I mean, and it's, apparently he's been very bad lately, so. It, it's crazy to think that both those teams probably have better coaches than the Cavs do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't argue with you. Like, um, but I, I agree, though. Detroit, Detroit's like a couple of years away, but they're going to be a handful once they figure it out. Yeah, I, I feel like they need an offensive superstar um, or an offensive star. I don't feel like they have that guy on the team. I don't think it's Reggie Jackson. Um, are you guys still there? I'm there. Okay. I'm and so... Um, 
you know, that they scare me. So assuming the Cavs get past, assuming the Cavs get past them, I think we lost Tom. Tom, you still there? Tom, are you back? He's connecting. Uh, oh, okay. he's back. Oh, you've been back. You've been there the whole time. Yeah, sorry. So, um, so assuming the Cavs, you know, after the first round, then we've got. Uh, it looks like right now, and maybe if the Cavs beat the Hawks tomorrow, it changes. But uh, it's looking like the Cavs are going to play the. What is going on? <laughs> Tom, why, why don't you mute yourself while you take your nasal spray? No, Tom's teleporting into the podcast. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's going on with Tom, but uh, I don't know what's going on with Tom. But uh, what I was what I was saying was that uh, the the Cavs uh, the second round it looks very much like it's going to be either. The Heat or whoever and whoever is in the winner of the 4-5 seed could be the Hawks, could be the Celtics, could even be the Hornets. It's hard to say at this point. But, uh, yeah, there's a there's a one-game log jam about, or two-game log jam between the third and the sixth seeds. So the Cavs could play the Hawks, the Celtics, the Heat, or the Hornets in the second round. Uh, out of oh. that – you there, Tom? So out of that group, David, uh, which which one scares you the most? Uh, the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, and Hornets? Uh, it's got to be probably the, the Heat or the Hornets. Just um, I think the Heat, just because they have that mental edge over LeBron, and for some reason they give us trouble. I'm not too sure why. And then the Hornets just... Hey, now I can hear you guys. Uh, okay, we're back. Uh, uh, the Hornets, just because I think the Cavs would approach it way too nonchalantly if the Hornets made it to the second round. That kind of scares me. So the Heat and the Hornets, you think? David? But uh, I think the, the, the Heat just always seem to own the Cavs somehow, and it doesn't even matter that Bosch, if Bosch is there or not. They just yeah, play I agree really with you. Well. They just play really well against us, and uh, I know you're not a Goron Dragon fan, but I think he runs the pick and roll pretty good, and that's going to be the Cavs kind of kryptonite the entire playoffs. No, and and I feel like the Heat team as they are currently made up with this fast lineup plus Whiteside um, are actually the team in the East most likely to dethrone the Cavs. Ooh, more than Toronto, huh? More than Toronto. Um, wow. I still think Toronto's a better team. I think Toronto's, Toronto's a better team, but the Heat A get in LeBron's head. Yeah. Uh, B, I think the Heat rest have been resting guys a lot this year, and when they're in the playoffs, they're going to be a much tougher out uh, yeah. than they would be in the regular season. Whereas I feel like Toronto has to kind of play balls out all the time in the regular season to kind of establish themselves. So, right. and and the question to you, Tom, is so. We both we kind of all agreed we'd much rather play the Pacers in the first round, uh, which means wait the Pacers or I'm sorry the Pistons. The Pistons, in the first round. yeah, yeah. The um, which uh, then the second round will be one of these four: the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, or Hornets. Um, which one would you rather play? 
Which one scares you the most out of those? The most or the least? The most. Who scares me the most? The Heat. Okay. And then uh, the least, would that be the Hawks? Uh, boy, the least. Probably the Celtics. I, I think the Cavs own the Celtics. I, I, I think they do too, but I feel like the Celtics will just make it their mission to beat the Cavs up again. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully the true. NBA would officiate that series a little more tightly. Yeah. Um, than they did last year, which it was a joke last year. Um, so then the finals is going to be probably the Raptors. I would I would assume uh, because the Raptors will, will. Do you like the Cavs' chances against the Raptors? <clears throat> um, it just depends on if Kyle Lowry is one hundred percent healthy. I think if he is, that'll be a that'll be a dogfight. That'll yeah. be like a seven game series. And if he's still dealing with these nagging injuries, like the Cavs will win in five or six. Okay. I think uh, he he's really the head of the snake. And the interesting thing is, he just destroyed the Cavs last time. I almost wonder if if something like that started happening in the playoffs, if LeBron would actually switch on to him. Oh, I think we, so too. We and haven't think, really seen that, you know, this year. I wonder if the playoffs is where LeBron would start doing stuff like that. Well, and I think the other reason, uh, one of the reasons that a lot of people are calling for Shumpert to start is for that kind of situation where you can start Shumpert and put him on the te- other team's best perimeter scorer and then uh, put Kyrie on kind of the worst perimeter guy. And then LeBron, LeBron can kind of pick his spots of who he's going to guard when. Um, and I agree with you. I think the Cavs can beat the Raptors, but it, it would probably go at least six. Yeah. David, David, yeah, I would, I think the Cavs would probably beat the Raptors, but the Raptors are kind of interesting because they don't run as much pick and roll as a lot of the teams in the East. Right. So it kind of helps the Cavs out that they have guys who are more ISO. Yeah. But it 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 definitely be an interesting match because you know Toronto would muck it up, and especially I love them on defense. Like right. Well, the funny thing competes. is, the funny thing is, is when they run less pick and roll with uh, Valanciunas, but then when Biombo's in there, Biombo's just killed them the last two games in the pick and roll on offense. And Biombo, not a great offensive player, but they just he's a good roller and and finisher. And that, I mean, a smart coach would put Kyrie in the pick and roll every play. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, did either of you guys watch the uh, Spurs uh, Warriors tonight? No, I didn't. I don't have NBA TV. Phenomenal game. Uh, Warriors won. Uh, I don't put as much stock in it as everyone else did because not only was uh, Tim Duncan not playing, but Boris Diaw, who kills, who killed the Warriors in earlier games this year, also did not play. So I, I felt like the Spurs played it real close to the vest and uh, weren't as invested in it as the uh, Warriors were. But the Warriors got to 72 wins, uh, which I think is a phenomenal accomplishment, and I really respect the way they have come out and tried to win every game this year uh, instead of mailing you know half the season in, as some teams do. Um, and I actually really hope that the Spurs... Um, tie the record for home wins, but as Popovich said tonight, he doesn't really care about the record. So yeah, 
This, the Warriors also set the record tonight for most road wins in a season, which is oh, a really okay. impressive record as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, coming out of the West, uh, Tom, do you think do you think the uh, Dubs are stoppable? I don't. I don't think they're stoppable. I think they're going to cruise. As good as San Antonio is, I feel like. I feel like the Spurs are just so solid from like one through thirteen on their team, and the Warriors just have those lineups with um, Curry and Green and Thompson, and they just they're just unstoppable. I think that um, you know the Warriors have won <clears throat> seventy two games now, and they don't even play Curry heavy minutes, you know. No, and that's that. It's really impressive. It's it's remarkable, and um, I just think that their ceiling is a lot higher than the Spurs, despite the fact that the Spurs have one of the best point differentials of all time and one of the best defenses of all time. Well, like the I, Warriors I think are going to be an absolute battle uh, in the finals. And I, I do, I do too. Teams, but I just, I still think, I still don't see how the Spurs can can beat the Warriors. Oh, I think the Spurs absolutely can beat the Warriors. They can beat them up on the boards. Uh, I don't think you've seen Popovich. I think he's played most of his games very generically. Uh, I don't think he's unleashed the full arsenal. They ha- aren't scouting him like it's a playoff series. Uh, but that being said, uh, the the Warriors are an awesome team. The other thing the Warriors have in their favor is the Warriors get away with more stuff defensively and with moving screens than any team I have ever seen. Uh, <laughs> It, it may even be worse than uh, those those two thousand eight two thousand nine Celtics teams. Uh, it's just that I don't know if you guys watched the end of the Grizzlies game, but I saw when they all like you know tackled Lance Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, I mean Steph Curry literally shoved him out of bounds on the yeah, last shot. Yeah, two hands. Yeah, and it was it was one hand, but it was utterly ridiculous. Like. And, of course, that's part of the reason you don't have a guy with the reputation of Lance Stevenson taking the last shot. <laughs> well, they don't have very many shooters on that team. No, that's true. <laughs> so he's never going to get a call. But, yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. Um, and I felt like that should have been an asterisk win. Uh, yeah. Also, did you feel like uh, JR got fouled on the last shot against Chicago? Yeah, he totally did. Well, he got shoved out of bounds. I mean, yeah. Oh, on the play before that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I – yeah, and I had reported when, it wrong. When day. he caught Delhi's air ball, or yeah. he he sw- he swatted it out of Gasol's hands, and then Gasol bumped him out of bounds. Yeah, that should have been a foul. Well, it should have. Um, I and I I had reported it wrong in the recap that it was Love and Gasol, but you're right, it was Jr. and Gasol. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was that was a ridiculously officiated end of the game, and I saw a lot of bad officiating tonight. I I feel. I am amazed at the amount of BS that Draymond Green gets away with with the refs. I've never seen a player since Jordan, possibly, that gets away with his – Jordan and yes, Kobe. Yes, you Kobe. have, dude. You, you forget what, like, Kevin Garnett used to do. Oh, yeah. That dude, man. But, and Kendrick Perkins, man. But Kevin like Garnett, every- it was with the players more than the refs. The Do you disagree? You saying like guys that foul like every time? No, no, no. I'm talking about talking to the ref. 
Like Draymond Green oh. gets away with showing up refs and barking at the ref more than any player I've ever seen since Kobe and Jordan are probably the two. I mean, guys. it probably just maybe it depends on what he's saying. I mean, I feel like Draymond walks, you know, drives up to a Taco Bell and just I want. Five, took a case of the <laughs> no, like, I mean, I, he, he doesn't seem to ever talk softly. So maybe the refs just sort of let him be demonstrative. And maybe We're all about case of lupus tonight. Yeah, maybe what he's actually saying isn't that, you know, grading on the referees. I don't, I don't know. I just, I saw him, he got a tech, walked right up to a ref, ref teched him up. Then he kept pointing at his elbow the whole time. It's like, I, I guess they're afraid to throw him out. I don't know. They probably are. That dude's a dude's an animal, man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to piss him off. He's from Saginaw, <laughs> the murder capital of America. Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> so, wish yeah. wish you was on my team. I I do, uh, and and I do do still take a little solace every time they they flash Andy, the the greatest cheerleader in the league right now on the bench. So. Uh, Andy's not getting any minutes anymore, is he? He didn't seem to get any tonight, but I imagine. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if he'll get any playoff minutes. Hopefully, he makes a playoff roster. I don't know. So, so the real question going away uh, as we kind of wind this podcast down because it's getting a little long in the tooth. Um, can the Cavs flip the switch, David? Will the uh, will the switch be flipped? I'm gonna say no because their switch seems to be three pointers, and if they're not hitting their three pointers, they aren't falling back on defense, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Right. Like I, I think they're gonna make it out of the East, but against the West, like I could easily see us getting swept by either the sport, the Spurs or the Warriors because it they don't. It makes no sense. Like when things get harder for the Cavs, they quit playing defense. But when their offense is firing, they're playing defense very hard, and it's just counterintuitive if you're trying to win. Right. So, uh, I, I, so I don't think that okay, switch so works going too along well. With that, do you think long term? And I saw this in the comment section today, and I don't know who said it. And apparently, David is still building a robot in his workshop. <laughs> Sorry. Um. But uh, long term, do you think the Cavs would be better served to not make the finals and to lose um, in the Eastern Conference playoffs so that more radical changes will be made? No, I think radical changes will be made if they don't win the finals. No I don't way. think. Yeah, no matter what. Okay. That, that I mean, they just. I mean, they fired David Blatt midway through the season. They're 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 on a knife's edge. They they don't need. To be embarrassed, they could make it to the finals, win another two games, and someone's getting fired, or they're bringing in a new coach, or Kyrie's gone, or something. I, 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 I think they can flip the switch um, because I think the style of game they play is going to change. I think in the playoffs, everything slows down, and it becomes more of a half court game. Rebounding is so important. Um, guys don't generally shake free. There aren't as many defensive breakdowns. I think uh, I think they get in a series with the team. They'll learn the team. They'll learn their tendencies, and they're going to figure out how to beat a lot of teams. I just don't. I just don't think they can. They can beat the, the Warriors. I mean, and they I have. Think, they have good closers. 
But what terrifies me more than anything is Tai Lu in close games. I don't trust him at all. Uh, I I haven't seen a lot this year that makes me think he's going to make really great adjustments. That keeping Kyrie in against Atlanta was almost tragic. Uh, David, uh, Ty Lu, does he scare you? You confident? Oh, Ty Lu's getting outcoached by probably half the teams in the East and anyone that makes it out of the West. <laughs> okay. It, like, it, it, I was just thinking about that, but what, what playoff teams in the East would you think Ty Lu's better coach than? Um, Oh, that's – yeah, that's that's tough. I mean – Yeah, we shouldn't have to think about it. No, I don't think he's better than – I think he's not as good as any of those coaches. I mean, yeah. you've got Dwayne Casey. You've got uh, Mike Budenholzer. you got Brad Stevens. you got Eric Spolstra. You how, got, how, how good is Dwayne Casey, though? I mean, the dude got swept last year by the Wizards. Yeah, I don't know if Dwayne Casey's that great, but – uh, supposedly the guy that's running the offense for the Raptors is kind of a genius and will get a lot of, uh, um, uh, head coaching looks this off season. What's his name? Uh, I'm looking it up now. <laughs> his name is, I believe, Nick Nurse. So... I guess, I guess, too, the other thing I fear is that uh, Ty Lue, it's, while he's the coach, at the same time, it's kind of going to be LeBron running right. things. And I, LeBron's decision-making has never been exactly the best. That's not what he says. Well, that's LeBron. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if LeBron wins the title, it's his title, and I'll give him that. But if he loses, he's got to figure, figure out that he needs some help. Yeah. Well, here's the one thing that might work in the Cavs' favor. Um, they Eastern Conference playoff basketball is all about half court defense and getting um, getting rebounds. And I think you know going up against teams like Miami, uh, you know, even Indiana, um, you know, Atlanta or Toronto or Boston. Um, you're not gonna if you get through that gauntlet. You know those teams aren't great at scoring, but if you can uh, if you can score against those teams and you can get down in the trenches and battle, you'll be in a better shape, I think, to slow the pace and dictate the tempo against a team like the Warriors. Which I'm still convinced that's the only way you beat that team. Well, the other you thing on the hold Warriors, them to like 90 points. The other thing you got to hope on the Warriors is like that the Spurs take them to seven games, and it's just. And it's just a a slugfest, and the Cavs maybe have a little bit of rest and can just blitz them, kind of like they almost did last year, where they should have they could have been up three zero. Um, you know the Cavs blitz them a little bit early on in a, in a final series. So. so Love needs to get injured again, and Irving needs to get injured again. Ty Lue with the rotations a little I, I'm bit. I'm not convinced that an Irving injury would hurt the Cavs. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. I think yeah, it's crazy, but pretty well. Yeah, it's, it seems crazy to say something like that. But you look at they just morphed into a different type of team last right. year, right? So, um, well, you watch how Memphis plays them. Memphis just is everyone tries so hard against them, right? And they don't like they don't let 
the war, they don't fall into the the pace trap. Like they play that walk it up, grind it out every t- every play. They don't get in a running uh, match with them at all, and they just play that playoff grind it out style. Yeah, and that it frustrates them. So yeah. Um, so I'm gonna do a quick uh, yes or no um, uh, with both you guys. Uh, Cavs win the finals. Is everyone back? Tom, yes or no? Uh, yeah. If they win the finals, yeah, everyone's back. Okay. Uh, even Delhi. Oh yeah, he's back. Okay, David. Yeah, everyone's back if they win. Okay. Uh, Cavs lose the finals. Is uh, who's gone, David? Go. Uh, Love and Irving. Uh, and in the front office and coaching staff. Uh, lose everyone. David Griffin's gone too. Uh, probably, yeah. It's going to be the LeBron special. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be John Calipari and and uh, Mark Jackson. Oh God, <laughs> Mama! There goes that man. <laughs> okay, uh, Tom, uh, who's gone if the Cavs lose? Uh, w- one out of Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, not both. Okay. Mozgov will be gone, and Tyloo will be gone. I think Mozgov might be gone even if they win. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I think Moskov might actually stay now because he's been playing so bad. Oh, like they might be able to afford him, like on a cheap contract. Yeah, Moskov is true. Like a Bismack Biombo contract yeah. type thing, where we're like, "Oh, this guy's amazing again." Yeah, they just got an erection. <laughs> what? <laughs> you didn't even mention Thad Young. Come on. <laughs> oh, you've moved on. Bismack's your new. Uh... <laughs> oh, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> you disagree with that? No, I didn't disagree with you. Okay, good. I, I, I didn't. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I've been in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um. Cavs uh, win. Is it against a healthy? Or is the team they're playing in the finals fully healthy? If the Cavs win a championship, or do they have no. to root for an injury? That's a root for an injury. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Preferably Green or Curry. Uh, Cavs loses Delhi back next year. Tom. I sure as hell hope so. David. Delhi, yeah, Delhi's back. If they don't bring Delhi back, I, I, I'm saying no because I think Delhi's going to get a big offer from a team like Utah, and I think he's going to go somewhere else, and the Cavs aren't going to want to match it for oh, the gosh. kind of offer he could get. Um, and I'm trying to think of another question. So the war, the Cavs or the Spurs. Don't win. Uh, is Tim Duncan ne- back next year, Tom? No, he's going to ride off into it. the sunset. Yeah, I think it's it. David, uh, I think he comes back, but he's he could come back like late in the season. Oh, that's a good yeah, David with a great answer. I I'm going to say no. I think he's done. Uh, Popovich. Uh, either way, Tom. I actually think he'll be back. I don't know why. I just I I think he is okay to coach Kai Kawhi. Yeah, he's got a superstar. 
And I haven't really heard any whispers about him, like, grooming anyone to take over right. for him. But, yeah, yeah I think I just, he's, got, he's got a really exciting team. And, yeah, um, and actually with Kawhi and with uh, – um, who's the other guy? Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, they actually are going to have a good bit of cap room this year. And they could look at, like – Delhi. <laughs> I, I think they'd be a dark horse to get Kevin Durant. Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd be that'd, that'd be sick. But I mean, when you think about it, that well, and then you add Delhi. I mean, he's Delhi, from, Delhi'd be the perfect point guard to play with those guys. I mean, Durant went to Texas, right? And um, they, I mean, I guess you. The only problem with that is he and Kawhi play the same spot, so you'd have to slide one of them to the two. Um, yeah, you could, uh, I, I, you could. Well, totally... I think you could play Durant at the four as well. Yeah, but you've already got Aldridge there. You say no, Aldridge is a five. Aldridge is oh, a five. You, you start Aldridge and you play Durant at the four. Yeah, Aldridge is a monster. You see how big that guy is? Yeah, he is. He's and, real big. And there's enough rotation minutes that you could you could switch that around. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I I would see them being a dark horse to get Durant. Although I think Durant. Does the two for one deal where he signs a two year deal with a one year opt out, and then uh, I would love to see. I would love to see a very non Spurs like player go to the Spurs and see what happens. Like a guy like DeAndre Jordan. Or, would, yeah. Remember when they to tried see, to work yeah, with? Nick Young. I'd love to see what Popovich would do to a player like that. <laughs> oh, Nick Young would be the best. Swaggy P in san antonio or like uh javel mcgee or something like that <laughs> <laughs> i just love to see well that, that was the best about uh captain jack uh jared jack or not jared jack oh uh, yeah steven jackson steven jackson was like so an atypical yeah um, he was but you know they those teams kind of needed that a little bit because he yeah was they, they needed doctor. some yolo yeah they needed a little yolo and he gave him that their current yolo guy is probably like patty mills yeah which, and he's not tall enough yeah <laughs> I mean, knowing the Spurs, the guy would just fall in line and be a like, solid contributor. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even. So, uh, anything, David, to pitch or uh, any amazing stories about, like, uh, buying gutters or anything like that? <laughs> uh, no, I really don't have any, uh, any great stories about buying gutters. I mean, I appreciated that story. I'm going to buy, I'm looking to buy a car this week so I can become a real adult. Stop riding my bike everywhere. So that's all that's really exciting for me. Well, good luck with that, Tom. Any, yeah, any stories, anything to pitch? Uh, well, I told you I got my – you saw my – we found my dog, right? Yeah. Oh, you, you lost your dog? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. We got him back. He's all good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Nate. I got a bumper sticker that says my other car is rocket-powered. It has the Rocket League logo on it. Are you, are you being serious right I'm, now? I'm that serious. I, it's a, it's amazing. I bought it. I bought it. I bought another one for my buddy. It was like eight bucks or something. It's really good. League are you playing? Oh, not that much lately. Sadly, I've been really I've been really busy. That oh, fatherhood thing. Yeah, I got a good story. Um, no, no, no. Check this out. So, so last week I went up to Cleveland and I met uh, with a, a NFL agent and. He has, he has partnered with a group called like Pro Performance Sports. They're in uh, Strongsville, and like the co-owner of Pro Performance is Reggie Hodges, who was the punter on the Browns a few years back. 
So that was really cool. I was going up there. I, I felt like an idiot, though, because, like, I followed Reggie Hodges on Twitter and everything. Like, I was kind of a fan. And so I went in there, and my dumb boss, like, you know, embarrassed me. He's like, oh, Tom's a huge fan or whatever. <laughs> Here I'm trying to act all, like, professional. And so I kind of looked over and smiled, and I was like, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. You know, hoping he would just... <laughs> Hoping he would just smile and be like, oh, yeah, cool, man. Instead, he was just like, okay. <laughs> it was so awkward. And then we were pitching, like, all these analytics we're going to do and all these, like, um, biometric sensing we're going to do for them. We're going to have them wearing, like, uh, you know, suits that record all this, uh, you know, um, physio data. And then we're going to log it. And then we're going to log or we're going to have them send us their workout logs and we're going to do all this stuff. And like midway through Reggie's like, I do everything pen and paper. And then we're like, okay, well you could just, we're like, you could just snap a picture of the pen and paper with your phone and send it to us. And then later on we're like, okay, so in order to use this um, bodysuit thing, you have to have your phone within like 20 feet because the suit sends all the data real time via Bluetooth to the phone and that's how it gets uploaded to the servers and then uh he was like oh i don't allow any phones like i'm old school like <laughs> and i was just sitting here like oh man we're gonna see how this is gonna go but by the end they were they were pretty into it um it was pretty cool they're, they're training two two players there right now that i met with one of them is probably gonna get drafted in the cfl as a long snapper which is really interesting. And he was born in Canada. So that's like kind of his in because in the CFL, like so many people on the teams have to be Canadian born or, Can <laughs> or Canadian citizens. So he has dual citizenship and he's like the best long snapper coming out of college period. Um, so I guess he's going to play in the CFL. And then the other guy is a uh, O lineman. Um, he went to St. Ignatius and then John Carroll and he was like a two time all American but what's interesting about him, because, you know, you never hear about guys like from John Carroll going to the NFL, is that in his class, he was like top five in speed and top five in, uh, I think he was second, actually, in bench press. So, like, his combine stats are, like, crazy good. And, like I said, he's like a two-time All-American. He's not, like, just a workout warrior. Like, he's got, you know, good technique and everything. So, really nice guy, too. His name's uh, Anthony Anthony Latina, I think. So I'm really hoping, you know, he gets drafted or at the very least gets picked up by a squad. And then, uh, you know, maybe I can help him improve his performance. Well, there you go. Um, very much like uh, what was the watch Delhi was wearing? Dude, it's exactly like that. Um, oh, is it, is it the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. Um, it is a competitor? Well, it's a similar concept, right? So wearable wearable technology to monitor things um, and just like I, I feel like Delhi wore that because you know he uh, pushed himself to exhaustion in the finals and that really messed him up and I think you can get a lot of um, <clears throat> physio data you could have a really you could really have a good understanding about uh, recovery and fatigue um, hydration respiration VO2 max all kinds of things that you put that data in the hands of, um, you know, the doctors and the training staff and the people that, you know, have a good baseline for that player. And you, yeah, you could, you could, could, uh, 
gleaned a lot from that info. So I thought he made rockets. Yeah, so uh, it was the whoop. <laughs> yeah, the whoop. <laughs> yeah. There was a great comment on Twitter, on Haberstroh's Twitter. It was like, you know, that's impressive, writing an entire article just so you could say whoop, there it is. <laughs> Well, uh, I do not. Oh, geez, Tom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Miserable. I got to get off of this, man. Okay. I gotta... Well, uh, I do not have anything to pitch. Uh, maybe a little uh, Holy City Brewing Company, uh, which is out of Charleston, South Carolina. I've been uh, partaking of their delicious brews this week. Uh, a little Pluff Mud Porter. So uh, uh, that that's my pitch for the week. Uh, good stuff. But uh, other than that, uh, all I got to say is go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. And, uh, and, and check out Reggie Hodges' Twitter page. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.